Ballistic Sports presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. This week, former Blue Jays closer Casey Jansen shares with us when he realized it was time to consider life after baseball. You see all these young guys throwing 95 to 100 right next to you and you're slopping it up there at 88. Um, you know that you're hearing the footsteps, but you don't really want to think about it. And now, a man who's known for throwing up his share of slop, here's Barry Davis. Oh, I definitely know about slop, Tom, but I'm not talking about pitching because I was never much of a pitcher, but I'm, I could destroy a sloppy Joe in like five minutes. <laughs> you familiar with the sloppy Joes? You've been in the restaurant business all these years. You must know sloppy Joes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The secret to sloppy Joes is toasting the bun. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of sloppy, um, I'm going to start coming up with like positive things out of a negative situation, okay? Each week. Okay. So negative situation is we all have to wear masks wherever we go. We accept it, but it's not the greatest thing, of course, right? Nobody wants to wear a mask. If you want to think of a positive, we as a society are picking our nose much less now than we ever have. <laughs> Would you say? That's pretty accurate. Wouldn't it wouldn't it be funny if we if that's like an inadvertent thing like wearing masks reduces nose pickage by 85%. Nosebleeds are down big time. Boog, boogers aren't under the underside of restaurant tables everywhere because let me tell you as someone Nothing's... who's worked at restaurants for years, Barry, it's a problem. What's a restaurant? Hmm? Exactly. What's a restaurant? <laughs> uh, there won't be many when this is all over, but there used yeah. to be lots of them. Right. Hang on. You, you took my negative and our positive, and now you're putting it into a negative again. Let's let's change gears, shall we? Welcome to no, the park, folks. That, that was a positive, right? The people that are okay, okay. So yeah, maybe there won't be many restaurants around anymore, but there won't be boogers underneath the tables of them. It's true. So, but so. even if we weren't wearing masks and not picking our nose, there still wouldn't be boogers under the tables because there's no tables to be sitting at. Man, this conversation just went the wrong direction. <laughs> All right, on this week's show, we'll talk with former Toronto Blue Jays closer Keiichi Jansen about his career, the end of his career, and his life after baseball. And I tell you what, he's he's doing pretty good for himself. And if you haven't heard the story of how he proposed to his wife, you'll want to listen in on that, too. We did ask him about that, right, again? Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There is Tom Forth. Uh, well, do we have an Asbury Davis question? I think we might, don't we? Yeah, I think we got some stuff cooking. All right. So we'll have that. Up next, folks. Uh, well, baseball players are getting bored and they're doing some pretty stupid things. We'll talk about that and some big news to share about Out of the Park. There's Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis. This is OTP. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. And the first pitch is brought to you by our wonderful friends at Ballistic Sports, Tom. And uh, we are getting closer and closer to the potential debut of this game. And, of course, um, with the Kickstarter program, we're waiting to see if uh, you know enough people support this project. And hopefully they will. And I know they're on their way for sure. This thing will happen. It will be off the ground. And uh, under the Christmas tree, there will be a lot of... Uh, a lot of these ballistic sports games. Yeah, you know, and it's it's the the thing that's getting me most excited as we as we get close to the release date. Um, you know, the Kickstarter really does seem to be picking up some steam. 
Uh, I know a whole bunch of people signed on in the last couple of weeks uh, to support the, the, the game. And what gets me more most excited for it, though, is I see some serious drinking game potential. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Never even thought of it, but yeah, you're right. Like, it could add a new dimension to the game. Adults only, though, uh, over the age of uh, 19. Of course. Or, or 21 and please if do you're not in the States. Drink, right. And please do not drink and drive. And, you know, there, there's not going to be a lot of driving because we're all kind of either locked in our homes or not able to go do other things. So all the more reason to sit in front of the TV and play this game because even though it does play best during live sports, and there's no live mm-hmm. baseball for a while, however, you can have a simulated feature on that game which allows you to play it without a real game. You can indeed. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's one of those things that, yeah, you can, you can, you can hook it up live or you can basically hook it up whenever they've got an app coming out for this as well. So like mm-hmm. yeah, you you can take this thing on the go, play wherever you want and incorporate alcohol as liberally as you'd please. Well said. <laughs> Ballisticsports.com is the place to go and uh we will be talking to Don Corby soon. I know we will. He's making his rounds. He's doing a lot of uh, promotion. He's the the head honcho yeah. of Ballistic Sports. We almost Sports. talked to him this and, week, uh, but Yes, that's true. Next week. That's true. Well, yes. <laughs> so you probably have no idea when you're listening to this, but Tom and I are now no longer in the same studio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the lockdowns have uh, have forced us to do that. But thankfully, because of technology, um, Tom, you've got your own little studio at home yep. as well. So when people are listening to this, it sounds like you and I are in the same building. Hopefully, if we do not. our jobs, right? Well, this yes, True. And speaking of technology, Tom, we've got some really exciting news for uh, followers of Out of the Park, and especially those that are OTP members. Mm-hmm. Would you like to share it? Well, yeah, you're going to get to see Barry's wonderfully chiseled, handsome face if you're an Out of the Park Patreon member every single week, because we are going to be doing the podcasts over Zoom. Uh, going forward, so we're going to have wonderful video feeds. Um, I actually got some really cool stuff already from the first Zoom interview that we've done. But, again, I really want to highlight, for all you people out there, you've listened to the sultry sound of Barry's voice for, for how many OTP episodes, and as of next week, you know, three bucks a month is it, Barry, that we start at? Yes. Three bucks a month, five bucks a month. Heck, if you want to do a custom donation, we'll work out something for you. But for that tiny little fee, you can see those chiseled good looks deliver that beautiful voice huh. every week. Well, more more importantly, uh, you will see the entire chats that we do with former Blue Jay players or any MLB players. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to watch in, in its entirety on Patreon. Now, during the course of the week uh, leading up to the podcast and probably afterwards, There'll be a few little video highlight packages, you know, like you see on the news, like, you know, 30 seconds here, a minute there. But if you'd like to see the entire thing, uh, yeah, head over to Patreon, look up uh, out of the park and sign on. And, and then you can not only do that, but, of course, access so much of the uh, part twos that we have on there as well of some great guests that we've had. And we're also going to, uh, by the way, we've been doing this little thing on social media where we block out the head of the guest that we're going to have on, and we have people guess. Mm-hmm. And 
this week, Tom, this was a really, really interesting debate on yeah. Facebook, and specifically Facebook. And I find it's funny how I, I, I'm part of maybe about six different Blue Jays groups. And you go to one group and it's like, Every guess is way off. <laughs> then you go to another group, and every guess is bang on. But didn't you find it fascinating how, I mean, yeah, a lot of people voted for Casey Jansen, but there were some people that were adamant that it was someone else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there was there was one there was one comment in particular. I don't want to out anybody, right? Because you know, but it was it was it was a wrong guess. But the information behind the guess that this person had used, you know, like arm angle height from the ground leg angle and and like this is why i think it's and it's awesome just just being part of that sort of a conversation it's really neat seeing people get so worked up over this <laughs> i know and the majority of people that didn't guess casey jansen said marco estrada yep. and you look at it and i'm like yeah you know and somebody actually posted a picture of estrada and it looks almost identical to <laughs> what you're seeing from Casey Jansen. But I, I think we'll keep doing it. Next week's is going to be, I think it could be very easy for some. Yeah. But it, it's an exciting one. And uh, you will, like the video for the one coming up the week after this one is fantastic. Now the Casey Jansen video is pretty good too. Yep. But we, I guess, became a little bit more educated on how to use Zoom properly. And we got some really, really cool stuff from that guest. But we're not going to say who it is yet. Okay, some baseball talk for you now. And, Tom, we originally recorded this conversation on Thursday night, and the plan is that we, you know, gives us time to edit and package it all together so it can be released on Sunday. Well, then all hell broke loose on Friday uh, all over the news uh, with baseball stuff. So uh, I felt it was prudent for us to address a couple of these stories that were <laughs> were unleashed to us on Friday and I want to start with uh, Sportsnet's decision to unload Mike Wilner. Now, we don't know the details. We don't know if this was a money-cutting situation or if this was a personality situation. But uh, 20 years plus that Mike Wilner has been part of the Blue Jays uh, broadcast, we broke into the business together uh, in 1992 and uh, we used to, you know, cover things like tennis together. He was over at 680. I was at the fan, and we would be, you know, doing hits for our, our stations live from tennis events and stuff like that. So I got to know Mike quite well over the years. And, um, you know, the, the guy, the guy's an encyclopedia when it comes to baseball. He yeah. is also a very polarizing personality on the radio. You either like the guy or you hate <laughs> the guy. There's very little in between when it comes to Mike Wilner. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of in between on them. Come on, seriously. I've I've always been. Yeah, I I thought uh, I absolutely loved him on Jay's talk back in the day. Mm -hmm. Like if I was a politician and I was looking for someone to get my message out there and defend <laughs> it like a rabid dog, I I don't think Mike Wilner's going to have a hard time finding work after this. Well, you know but, what though? You know what my, uh, though, Tom? I yeah. I said the same thing about myself. And this business is ever-changing. And finding work is not as simple as one, two, three. Especially when oh, your job is radio or TV. It's well, just that, not there. That's what I mean. I think someone in politics is going to pick them up. 
Well, oh yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. That's what I mean. Possibly. Like, that's, so like him on, on on that on you know Jay's talk, he was he was amazing, and it was like they didn't quite know what to do with him after that, and they kind of you know we tried him here, tried him there. He covered a couple innings here, a couple innings there, and it was like they never quite found the fit after they took him out of Jay's talk. That's my take on it. Anyways. Well, I, I I agree that I think he was great for Jay's talk, and I think he had a great role. Um, I know it was always his dream to call play-by-play, and I, I thought he did a good job doing play-by-play. He did, yeah, he did do a good job, but it just never seemed to quite click, right? Yeah, and again, a lot of it had to do with you know him and Ben just l- needing to learn each other and all, right? But here's mm-hmm. the thing, and I want to be very clear on when I say this, because I was astonished reading some of the comments on social media, specifically on Twitter. I don't care if you're a fan of the guy or you, you're not a fan of his work. It is so insensitive and inhumane to be saying things like, thank God he's gone, oh, or mm-hmm. some tabler should be next, whatever. You know, It's like, are you serious, people? Even if you're not a fan of somebody, you should never wish upon someone to lose the career that they've worked so hard to build. You, know, you don't have to be a fan of Mike Wilner, but for God's sakes, folks, don't be throwing a party and cheering on the fact that some guy just lost his job during a pandemic this close to the the, the holidays yeah, you know i mean like part, you're right he's part of like how many people are hurting right now we shouldn't be celebrating any one of them no no I, I never got that when people would say oh i hope that so-and-so's next or whatever right i mean come mm-hmm. on these are people's careers here these are their lives this is them supporting their family and yep. now i will say this having been there for as long as he has uh, Rogers is going to be on the hook for a pretty pretty decent severance package. I would suspect Mike Wilner is <laughs> going to get probably close, if not more than two years, full pay out of this, which makes me say, if this was a cost-cutting thing, why don't mm-hmm. you, and maybe this happened, I don't know, but if this is a cost-cutting thing, then maybe you go to Mike Wilner and say, listen, Mike, we're having to tighten the belt straps a little bit. We can't afford to continue to pay you what we have paid you. We can either release you, and give you severance for whatever it is, or we can retain you, but we're going to have to rework your, your contract because we just can't afford to do this. And I know if I was in that situation, I'd be insulted maybe at first, but then I'd say, well, you know, the, the scope of the media business right now, uh, and I have a job that I love, and maybe if things get better, we can get back to what I was getting, but I would much rather continue working at less pay than be looking for work right now. So if it was a situation of Rogers cutting costs, you would think that rather than pay out all that severance, wouldn't they be better off just saying, hey, would you like to keep working for less? Yeah, I mean, and who knows? They could have given him that option. But I'm I'm right with you on all the Wilner haters. I mean, because if you want to hate this dude, that was the guy's job. It was his job for how many years to get out there and defend you know, the Blue Jays line, Rogers line or whatever. And he did a great job. He was entertaining as anything, right? And so, yeah, but that forced him into polarizing positions. But, like, if you're making the mistake of making character judgments on someone based on, you know, then that was, you know, what scares me about it the most, right? Is Because that's what it is. Like, these people, what they're writing, they, they hate the guy. Yeah, like what's go what's going on in your life that you hate this guy? Now, I know he blocked a lot of Blue Jays. he blocked a lot of people, including many of those that are listening to the show right now. And 
if he yeah. bl- if he blocked you, um, maybe he blocked you because you said something that he found offensive. You know, if you're not in the situation that Mike is in, and I've been in that situation before too, where when you are in the media and you're on the air and you're out there, people are going to be very specific on what they think about you. And mm-hmm. I used to get a lot of hate tweets from people. And it's, you know, you want to have, uh, you know, a, a strong uh, back on this and just kind of like be Teflon. But it, it's never good to read words from another person telling you you suck at something. Mm-hmm. And yep. and it's like you don't, you don't see a car salesman or uh, a doctor or anybody else for that matter in any line of work receive this amount Actually, of maybe politics. You know, you know what? No, you know what? I'm going to jump in uh, on that because I worked in restaurants. And and you wouldn't think that you would receive that. But over the 10 years that I was in restaurants, this world has become a much crueler place. But what, 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 let I, me ask you this, though, Tom. Yep. Was it stuff that was written directly to you? Or was it stuff that was put out there for thousands and thousands of people to see? I've seen both i've seen social media campaigns with actual money put behind them to shame restaurants wow um i've seen you know a bad experience at a restaurant uh result in like an orchestrated campaign of harassment and and letter writing to the head office trying to get this person fired yeah and like this this stuff may have been unheard of years ago but like and especially since covid we're not living in in a world full of happy people no and you know, it's it's a sh- so I, I kind of go against that whenever I see it. Right. Because, yeah, like at the end of the day, you know, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors with Wilner. If we think we know who he is, we're wrong. We know who Rogers paid him to be. And he did a great job doing what he's doing for years. Uh, like if you hate him for that. Well, you know, are you going to hate your pizza guy for making a pizza? Well, Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, if you get a bad delivery, you may throw out a complaint about the pizza driver, but then that's it. Yeah. You get out, you're, you're not constantly saying... You don't threaten death. Well, no. No. Exactly. So anyway, uh, you know, all the best to Mike. I know this is a tough uh, industry to get back in, and I know that firsthand. And, and, and again, I will say for the record, I, I can't really put myself in Mike's situation because I wasn't let go. I was going to be reassigned, and I decided to leave after yeah. uh, the time I was there. So that's the difference there. And I know people are going to start asking, well, why don't you want to get back in there? I don't – unless I was given a guarantee for 10 years, I don't know if I'd, I'd want to take the risk of leaving a full-time job to go to something like that as much as I'd love doing the work, you know. And yeah. uh, it's very interesting, and I'm not, I'm not going to give away – Again, who's going to be our guest next week. But the person who's going to be our guest next week would love to get into the broadcast booth. And uh, I, from what I'm seeing online, and I forget, and I want to give credit to the writer who wrote this, I think it was Rob Longley, said that his sources are saying that the Jays were going to look for a former player to oh. sit alongside Ben Wagner. So if that's the case, you know, there, there yeah. definitely are a number of them out there. That would check, be check in next week. I think we got a real great candidate that we're talking to. So. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, uh, really feel bad for Mike. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say he was one of my closest friends in the world. We got along. We were congenial with each other, and you know, but um, 
it, it's real tough. It's real tough to see, and yeah. I, I, real feel, I really feel bad for Mike. Uh, the other big news that actually broke earlier in the morning, and it came via the Globe and Mail, who reported that Rogers Communications were working with city, provincial, and federal officials on a plan to demolish the Rogers Center, effectively turning half of the downtown property into new baseball first stadium. Mm-hmm. And that blew up. Blew up big time. <laughs> and I think everybody right away started thinking, okay, well, you know what? If there was ever a time to do this, do it now, yeah. right? The chances are the Blue Jays are not going to be playing at Rogers Center in 2021, so why not do it now? And then as the story goes on, it's like, oh, well, this is not in the plans for another several years. Yeah. Well, then there's no story because no. it's been talked about for years anyway, Right. So this thing got blown way out of proportion. People were already starting to pay their condolences to to Rogers Center slash Skydome. People yep. were already starting to get into debates on what this ballpark should look like and where it should be in the whole bit. I, I, I will say this. We will have a vaccine for covid long before the shovel is put into the ground to build a new baseball stadium. <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, I found it curious that it was the Globe that broke it. Well, yeah, considering <laughs> the Globe is owned by Bell Media, yeah. and Rogers is Sportsnet, and I'm really surprised that it was not someone from Sportsnet or the fan that had this story, which tells me that there be a leak <laughs> in the yeah. Rogers crew that tipped off somebody from the other is the you know the other network yep. and yep. you know what similar thing happened when the announcement was finally made that i was going to be leaving sportsnet uh it was somebody from the toronto sun steve simmons speak of the devil uh-huh. speed simmons who actually broke that story so this is a little bit of like almost sort of a loose history repeating here well yeah right right so outside, outside media getting the scoop on Rogers messy bits. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know what to make of this whole baseball stadium situation. And quite honestly, uh, I would love to see a beautiful grass baseball stadium that's not symmetrical like Rogers Center, that has a retractable roof so you can still watch baseball in April and September when it may be getting colder and you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about rainouts. I'm fine with all of that. I would love nothing more than to see that. I've never been a big proponent of that stadium being built where the current one is. I would <laughs> think somebody brought up an idea on social media about using the land at Ontario Place. I'm like, yeah, that's not a bad idea. But yeah. really, if, if I really had the option of saying this is where it's going to be, I put it right where Woodbine Racetrack is, across the street there, a whole bunch of land. You now have the rapid transit system out that way. It's uh, away from the hustle and bustle of downtown. Right by the airport. You get all the 905ers now that uh, don't have to worry about. And I'm curious to know the percentage of people that attend Blue Jay games, how many of them are, you know, in that 905 area as opposed Mm. to the the city folks, you know? I will throw a shout out for the the Dome. Um, I love the Dome. And, and I know people think it's ugly. Really? Um, you love the place. I love the place. I remember... You're you know, my Hey, I, I remember my first game ever there was a doubleheader against the California Angels, and I got to watch one of my all-time heroes, Jim Abbott, 
go I think he went seven innings and the Blue Jays won in the end, but it Abbott didn't take the loss. Was he with the Angels um, or the Yankees then? Angels. California okay. Angels. Yeah. yeah. And uh that was the first year the dome was open. It was the it was the they build it as like the only dub, double header that was ever gonna play there. Mm-hmm. Um but then you know, over the years all the sort of area around the dome, like the the roundhouse, the park there. My kids love the railway museum. I love the steam whistle brewery. And so, like, when I go to the, the game now, it's like a full day event if I can do it that way. So I love it right where it is. Okay, I'm, and, fi- I'm fine with that, too. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I will agree. The dome definitely served its purpose. It was a state-of-the-art building in 1989. Yep. And for many years, and even to this day, Tom, when a visiting player would come to the Rogers Center for the first time, mm-hmm. they are amazed. You know, when you see the CN Tower and when the roof is opening and such. Now, most ballparks have the roofs now, so it's not a big deal to see a roof open. But uh, in this one, <laughs> this one is is not as... Uh, smooth running as it once was to put it nicely <laughs> but yeah you know i'm I'm, t- I'm fine with that too uh i just say to myself if they're going to build it on the same land where would they play for that While time because yeah. it would be you would think it would be a freaking season that they would lose in toronto yeah i saw something today online that mississauga had been floated as a place like i actually saw it was a Oh, God help me. It was on In Saga, I think. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, you know, a, a local newspaper. But, yeah, they, apparently they had been. Now there's stories coming out that they're floating other, you know, possibilities. Yeah, and because, again, yeah. and this is all recycled news. Honestly, there's nothing really new to this story except somebody from the Globes regurgitating something that's been out there before and people thinking it's new again. So, yeah. There will be a new stadium at some point. That's where we're going to leave it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a good thing. Yes. All right. Um, ask Barry Davis will not happen this week, Tom, because we don't have any questions. And uh, we need to get those questions coming again. And you yes, can send them. And, and, Tom, here's just a little bit of something to let you know. is Sometimes people will send questions to me on Twitter, but they won't tag the Ask Barry Davis. So, you know, sometimes oh. if you go through my little timeline, you can see somebody actually asking a question, right? So, yep. uh, yeah. So I got to look. I got to look up your mentions as well. Look up my mentions. Saying. It's just yeah. a little bit more work for you. But if you it's do have okay. a question, I got to learn this stuff. <laughs> That's right. If you do have a question, you can send it to uh, either myself at Barry Davis underscore or to Tom at at fourth underscore Thomas. Yes. So I, I've already got there's here's a here's a Ask Barry Davis question right now. <gasps> at, All right, let's at Dauber 2010. Next podcast guest, Barry. Uh, well, no, Mike will not be our next podcast guest. We do have a couple of guests lined up. Would I like to try to get Mike on the show? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Right now, I think Mike's probably got enough going on. Um trying to just you know mentally and you know get through all of this right now and happen to tell his family and stuff so i'm going to give mike a little bit of space but yeah i'm gonna i'll ask him in a few weeks if he wants to come on the show yeah that'd right? be a great idea yeah absolutely all right okay so no ask barry davis questions go to twitter go to tom's we never did get your twitter handle at yes we did okay fourth underscore thomas okay or you can go to our website if it's up and running nsrmedia.ca 
perfect. And it's 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 running. It's there. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Uh, Raj Sapaya will not be with us this week. We're having uh, you know just scheduling issues, but we will do a video with Raj uh, later in the week that you'll be able to watch. So uh, it's time for this week's special. And now, In the Dugout with Barry Davis. Little Foo Fighters here on Out of the Park, and uh, it's funny, our, our guest that we're going to speak to now, Casey Jansen. Casey, you're not a big music guy per se in the fact that you never really have like a favorite band or a favorite song. So when it came to, this was your, your walk-in song by the Foo Fighters. Like, did someone else pick it and just say, all right, Casey, this is going to be your song. What do you think? Yeah, actually, that's what happened. Somebody, uh, somebody picked the song, and I went with it. And then I think I had a decent year with it. I was like, okay, let's keep it. And then might have had another good year. And next thing you know, it was it, it stuck. So yeah, I don't. I, I like music for um, the background music, but I'm not one to grab an air microphone and uh, start belting something out. <laughs> so, so you and Cecil aren't getting into a band anytime soon. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, well, first and foremost, what is Casey Jansen doing these days? I mean, you've got a beautiful little 44 in, in, in behind you there lit up. So obviously, you know, baseball remains like a big part of your life. What do you do these days? Well, I'm, I'm a full-time dad. I, uh, I joke with people that I'm a professional uh, breaker down Amazon box um, <laughs> person. So um, I've got that going for me. Uh, but really staying at home with the kids, uh, hanging out with the wife. And then I just, this calendar year, I, I became a member at a country club. And so well now getting that, to get that golf game on point. How's the golf game going? What do you shoot generally? It's good. Um, I'm down to a, a 2.8 index what so the hell is that is, it, is that like metric good. is that those metrics cyber metrics i'm a four handicap yeah that's yeah that's not too far from scratch four is the lucky number i suppose yeah, yeah well i get better but it's uh it's still a work in progress you know what my handicap is golfing golfing <laughs> well the good thing about golf is you everyone has a handicap and if good at it then you just drink <laughs> well that's that's a very good point you couldn't do that on the mound can you imagine if you were allowed to actually have booze with you on the mound no that that would be uh that would not be good no. for some oh yeah yeah absolutely so when you came to the end of your career was there a lot of thought put into what am i going to do when baseball's up or was it one of those things that while you're playing it's really nothing that ever enters your mind. Yeah, I think it's more the the second. Um, I I kind of felt like once you had that little seed of doubt of you know after baseball, I think it goes quick. And I was actually talking to a, a friend who's considering um, hanging up this in football, 
And I just, I told him that exact same thing. Like once you get that, that thought, um, you need to either get it out of your head or it, it's gonna, it's gonna snowball on you quick. So I tried to, um, not think about it. And you see all these young guys throwing 95, 200 right next to you and you're slopping it up there at 88. Um, you know that you're hearing the footsteps, but you don't really want to think about it. Was there a moment in particular where that, that little seed of a thought kind of made its way to the front and you knew that this was, this was it, this was time, or was it just something that just sort of gradually? It was gradual. Not really. I I mean, my, even my last year in uh, Washington, I, I pitched pretty well for a good bit of it. And then I just had a bad September and I, I was like, man, I, you know, I thought I was happy decent for most, you know, five sixths of the year. Um, and then it, it just snowballed on me, um, which made me then go to the minor leagues and, and uh, try to prove to myself that, you know, I still could get people out. Um, and I pitched fine in the minor leagues, but then once you, uh, you start to see those guys and, and I remember sitting at an apartment at the time and I told Lauren, I said, you know, I don't, I don't have a job right now. And there was some guy from Baltimore. I have no idea what his name was. Um, a left-handed pitcher and he was throwing a hundred and he was not sweating. He didn't grimace. He didn't do anything. And he had like a one, two, three inning. And I said, guys like that is why I, you know, it's time for me to move on. Um, so it wasn't anything personally, but I, I was very aware of my surroundings and I knew that, um, you know, baseball just shuffles through, um, talent and, and my time, uh, was great, but it was up. Did you fight the feeling, Casey? Competitively, yes. Because, I mean, you tell me right now, I, I still feel like I could get three outs. Mm-hmm. Um, could I do it regularly? Um, probably not as, as well as others. But being competitive, you know, I, I, great name, but uh, Pat Hankin, I'm sure Pat Hankin could tell you right now, I could still get three. I could still oh, yeah. get 18 outs. Um, so I don't think that really you, you lose that. Um, but, uh, I was pretty content with it. Actually. I, I, I thought I had a good run and, um, there was no bitterness. I, I think I got everything out of my arm and my body and, um, it, it was just time. If you could have finished with the blue Jays, would would that have made a, a happier ending for you overall? Not that the, your time in Washington wasn't good, but I mean, you know, the Jays were your home for your entire career, and you know, to have that one last year and not have it in Toronto is that something you wish you could have done? I I think I, I had a great time in Toronto. Um, I I think the bummer part was the year I left, they made the playoffs. So, mm. um, I mean, yeah, if I could have hung on for one more year and, and enjoy, uh, enjoy popping bottles and, and mm-hmm. all that great stuff, like that would have been awesome. It wasn't that exciting, um, Casey. It wasn't. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> uh, at, at the same time, um, when joining Washington at the time, we were world series favorites and, 
Um, so that was really exciting for me. And there was pressure and, and it was fun. And we didn't have the year we wanted, but um, it, was, it was great to experience another city, see how another organization was run and get to pitch in the National League. It was just a, a, a cool experience. But yes, I mean, of course, my loyalties were to Toronto and, um, you know, to uh, give back to the fans that everything they had given to me. Um, yeah, for sure, that would have meant a lot. You know, sorry, you're speaking a little bit about the your time in Washington, and you brought up something. It was a question that I that I had in mind. I wanted to ask. Um, you know, you pitched in the AL East for so long, and and you rose to you know to to being a closer in one of the most competitive, certainly offense heavy dis, dis, uh, divisions, and you know that transition to the National League. Was there a difference in intensity? Did it feel different in game? What, like, was there that constant fire feeling in the AL East that, you know, it seems to the fans that there is for pitchers, but, you know, did you feel that? And, and is there that difference going from the AL to the NL? Uh, it, it's a different, first, it, it was a different game, right? So we, the, the pitchers still hit. So we had to cover um, if, the lineup got to the hitter or sorry, to the pitcher, we were going to pinch hit. So there was a lot more strategy, a lot more um, getting ready and you're maybe going to get in the game kind of a thing. Um, but as far as the lineups go, when, when I was in the AL East, I mean, I would argue with anyone that um, the lineups that the Yankees and the Red Sox and um the scrappy rays were, were running out there were so hard that, um, there were no nights off. There was, uh, no, you know, easy three outs. It felt like, um, where the national league is a little, a tad more, um, pitcher favorable for sure. We asked Brett this question when he was on the show last week and, and we look at the, the 2013 blue Jay season and, you had a fantastic year, Casey. You had a 2.56 ERA. You had 34 saves. You probably should have been joining Delabar and Cecil at the All-Star Game as well. But aside from that, there was so much that seemed to go wrong in 2013. What, what do you remember of, first of all, the day that Alex made all those trades and Vegas starts talking about the Blue Jays being World Series contenders and then kind of the excitement of spring training, because I remember we we were getting media from all over, right? It was we were the Blue Jays were a right. national story. And then it 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 very quickly went <laughs> to put it nicely. But what do you remember of that whole situation? I, I remember um the winter meetings and um the momentum that the trade, I think had and then it carried on and I'm, I'm not exactly sure when it happened but um you know we started getting some significant uh beat writers talking about hey this is this could happen and then the names and um of course then you hope your name's not going the other direction to, <laughs> to the yeah. um but then it was like hey this is this is the trade in place and it was exciting and then you know we're hoping everyone passes their physicals and it was exciting it was a it was a the first time that um like you said we were getting that national recognition and 
it, it's fun to be the um the hunted and we were always the hunters trying to catch the you know the the red Sox and the yankees and and the big boys in our division but um it kind of gave us that validation that hey we're we're here and we're uh, um we're, we're going to be a force and unfortunately it just didn't happen um you know there was a lot of change changing of uh of places for people i, I don't i know we had a few injuries along the way but um definitely what alex had put on paper um it just didn't it didn't correlate to the field unfortunately I remember that season from a fan perspective and, you know, at a certain point in time, the coverage became, you know, can they turn it around? Can they turn it around? And, and, and then eventually it became apparent that it wasn't going to happen, but you know, did that sort of feeling go on in the clubhouse as well? Like, was there that palpable feeling of like, we can turn it around, we can turn it around up until a certain point. And then, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm one of those, that until we're mathematically eliminated, I still think we have a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but our team was talented enough to to win ten in a row, to win you know fourteen out of fifteen or something like that. And so we always felt like we had this run in us. And at some point, we just kind of all started to look at ourselves. Maybe it's not in us, and maybe we aren't that good. And um, unfortunately you know, you put those, that lineup back on paper and you had a big do-over, I'm sure it would have been a different um, season for us. But unfortunately, it, it, it is what it was and uh, it was kind of a bummer. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned what you said about never believing you're out of it. I, I recall probably late August, early September, and you guys were in Boston and I stuck a camera and a microphone in front of you before a game and asked you about, you know, playing the spoiler or something like that. And you gave me a look right away and said, as far as I know, we're not mathematically out of it. And you, you guys were not mathematically out of it. You were for all intents and purposes, not, but was that one of those things where maybe inside you're thinking, yeah, he's probably right, but I can't, I can't say that I have to keep, because that's, that's, who I am and that's you know I, I I'd be going against the type of person I am if I admitted what I was really feeling deep inside for sure uh I, I mean I think you know big picture we knew it was a, a tough hill to climb um at the same time you never know you really don't um did I think whoever uh was going to lose all the games they needed to lose and we were going to somehow just go on this um huge run of you know undefeated the rest of the season probably not but also baseball is an individual sport and although there's not um it is a team sport but it's a bunch of individuals playing a team sport and and so you you have to continue to believe if not your individual efforts are going to take a hit as well and so you know we always talk about finishing the season and not letting down because, you know, for a relief pitcher, one inning, two innings could, could really ruin a great year. And um, so at the same time, we didn't want to let that happen either. How much of a boost did the team get when Steve and, and uh, Brett ended up going to the All-Star game? And again, it was, for me, bittersweet because I thought you deserved to be there as well. But 
did it give the team a little bit of a lift to know that of all these all-stars that were added to the team, you got these two that no one really expected to have these career years? Yeah, I mean, they had such great years. I don't think I really belonged in the conversation. They were so good that year. And I think more than anything, it, it was an individual award for them. But as a bullpen and as a starting staff, I think we all kind of felt like we, we had a, a piece of it because, you know, a fresh bullpen is a good bullpen. And if, if Brett and, and Steve were able to pitch in their, um, in their strengths and, and how, how they're supposed to, then they're going to stay fresh and they're going to be able to um, pitch at their best. And I think on down. So um, it was easy for everyone else to kind of fall into place and have a good year because um, everyone's kind of doing their thing. Everyone's sort of being successful and it's easy to, uh, I, I, I use the line that um, zeros are contagious and it's just easy. Once a couple zeros start happening, it, it's easy to keep those rolling. It's like when you're, when you're golfing with a, with a partner, you know, the better they do, the better you tend to do as well. Right. For sure. And, and if, if everyone's struggling, um, it's easy to go out there and struggle too, because those hitters are, are running to the bat rack instead of, uh, um, you know, pouting on the bench because they're all over four. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I mentioned Brett and Steve and, you know, I resent you a photo of, you know, you doing that, uh, ice bucket challenge and, and Cecil dumping the, the water on your head. And, you know, we kind of had a laugh because it brought back a lot of memories what was that bond that you guys had? And it went beyond you and Brett. I mean, it just seemed that there was a group of you guys that were just really, really tight. Yeah, we, we had a good crew and we were all um, similar in age, similar in draft classes, give or take a couple of years. And we just really bonded, like you said, and um, it, it didn't, it didn't end uh, when we left the field, we would, we would go to dinner. We would, um, you know, every occasionally go out and have a drink at night. Um, but the best part about it was we were, we enjoyed each other's company, but we just never stopped talking about baseball and, um, this pitch, this hitter, this memory, this, uh, city, this restaurant, we, whatever, um, whatever it was, um, it, it was, it was special. And, um, I think those are the things that I miss the most is just those, those tight bonds that you have with the, with your, some of your teammates, um, being that we get to the field at, you know, one o'clock for a, a seven o'clock game. Um, by the time we shower and get out of the clubhouse, it's, it's close to 11 o'clock. So, um, it's, it's nice to enjoy your teammates because you're with them a long time. Okay. You got to come clean. You, all you talked about was baseball. I'm calling BS on that one, Case. You guys were probably talking. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised. We, it, it might not have been all of the conversation, but um, it was it was quite a bit of it. You know, if we're if we're on a good run, why we're we're playing so well? If someone's struggling, um, how can we help? Uh, you know, as much as we're um, friends, we're all kind of therapists for each other too. <laughs> Who was who was the king of movie lines? Who who was the one that would speak movie lines more than anyone else? Was it Cecil? Cecil knew a lot. Delabar seemed. I feel like he knew quite a few. Um, and then 
you know, I've got my four go-to movies and it just, <laughs> not again. What, Hangover and Old School and uh, those? Dumb and Dumber, yeah. Hangover, yeah, all those <laughs> classics. When you're, uh, you know, training to become a professional bass player, a bass player, I'm thinking music, baseball player, at what point do they tell you, Casey, you really learn how to learn, need to learn how to play cards? If you don't know how to play cards, you have to learn. <laughs> Great point. Um, <laughs> cards are, well, not as a rookie. I'll tell you what, you don't learn to play cards as a rookie. Oh, you're um, not allowed to play? You have to kind of sit back? Ooh, it's, it's a slippery slope for yeah. sure. On that. <laughs> Nowadays, I think it's a little bit easier but when i when i broke in it was uh pretty much sit at your locker and i don't know if i want to see your teeth because you, <laughs> you shouldn't be smiling you should be getting better um but yeah cards cards are a little bit you know that's once your work is done um and you get a, a couple minutes you, you might get a game of cards but um yeah it definitely passes the time passes a couple rain delays and stuff like that for sure you know, Barry brings up actually a pretty good question there that I wanted to get to. Um, they didn't teach you how to play cards to get you ready for the majors, but, you know, was there one thing that you wish you had learned and you didn't know going into it? Like if you were looking at someone just starting their journey right now, would there be one piece of advice you'd give them? Don't sit on the couch as a rookie. That's it's another <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, don't sit on the couch. I made that mistake. I sat on the couch once. And I got, I got told, I don't remember who told me, but I got told like <laughs> in no uncertain, it may have been Vernon Wells standing in front of me, stark naked saying, don't you dare sit on that couch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, rem I remember my first couch <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I happened to be starting that day and I don't remember exactly when it was, but there's, I don't know, four couches in the locker room. None are being used. And this one teammate came up to me and I'm sitting in the corner and taking up half of a cushion. And he said, what are you doing on the couch? And I kind of like perked like, Hey, you want to sit here? I'll just move over to the other four couches that are unused. And he's like, no, I don't want to sit there. I don't want you to sit there either though. And I was like, I'll put my tail between my legs. And I went back to my, my locker and, uh, um, you know, studied up for, my start but that, that was kind of how it was for me um but we had some big time veterans at the time that um you know didn't necessarily welcome a, a, a 24 year old that uh had no experience and i i didn't love it but i i definitely appreciated that that part which was, was a little bit of a grind for me how much of that um, do you think, Casey? Sorry to interrupt. How much do you, of that do you think was tradition and guys just screwing around with you? And how much? And I'm not necessarily saying in your case, but in general, how much of that is is a veteran player seeing a young hotshot come in and think this guy's going to take my my innings or this guy's going to take my job? Yeah, I don't know if it's that or if it's just that was what happened to them, so they just wanted to make it rough on the next and the sure. next and the next. And of course I kind of felt like, Hey, we're all pulling from the same rope, you know? And, <laughs> and I didn't love, you know, the little bit of hazing I got. So I didn't want to do it to the next rookie when I got um, to that point where I was more of a veteran, you know, I wanted to be more welcoming because 
you know, that, to be honest, that wasn't, um, the most enjoyable part in that, you know, you work so hard to get to the big leagues and, you know, at first I, I was pitching well, and then I started to struggle and then no one really, um, you know, guys kind of left me alone and like, Hey, you know, I, they want you to figure it out yourself. And to be perfectly honest with you, there, there was a point where I was like, man, I, I don't mind if I go back to AAA right now, at least I'll have some friends to talk to. Um, so it was a little rough for me. Um, so I guess to answer that question, it, it was more, um, you work so hard, you just roll with everything and put a smile on your face and, and don't let the BS get to you because, um, you know, it was 20 years of, of hard work, um, to finally get to that place. And it wasn't the greatest thing for that first few months. It's amazing. You know, you hear about, you know, bullying in schools and, and bullying online and stuff, and you don't realize it, that it can happen anywhere. And I'm not saying necessarily this was bullying, but it, it sounds like, you know, that kind of thing has definitely gone on. And that can be real tough on the psyche of, of these young players, especially, I mean, and I think I made the same point to Brett, that until you make it to the major leagues, you're probably the best or close to the best on your high school team and in college. And then, you know, you're working your way up and, and you've got to be close to the best because you're going to make it. And everyone writes great things about you and says great things about you. And then all of a sudden you're in this clubhouse with all these veteran players and you're no longer the best. And <laughs> you're like at the bottom of the totem pole. That, that has to be a, a quite an adjustment to you. Yes, for sure. I, and, and to go in a room with a bunch of alphas and, um, and, you know, to try and see who, who ends up being king kind of, so to speak, um, it's weird. And, um, I think they also do it to kind of see like, Hey, if, if, if you're going to get flustered by me, you're probably not long for this game. So as much as we want to give you a hard time, somewhere down the line, we're going to hug you and, and, and love you and welcome you. But if, if you're going to crumble, uh, in those, in that, I guess, audition period, um, you're not going to be, you, what are you going to do when the bases are loaded, you know, on the road in New York, when, you know, 50,000 fans are screaming at you. And I, I think that was their indirect way to see if, how you would handle things. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, you might as well just see it rather than, and, and put your arm around the kid instead of, uh, um, you know, knock him down a bit, I guess. You ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? A long time ago. Okay. So yes. there's, okay, you need to watch that again, man. You're, you're not kidding. You should know your movies. So there's a scene in that movie where all the inmates are just entering the prison for the first time. And all of the, the, the regular inmates are kind of having a bet on of this group coming in. Who's the first that's going to crack? And there was this one guy that just completely lost it. And he never was able to, to get himself back. I don't even think he survived. Right. right? He died. He yeah. ended up dying. Right. But it, in a kind of a strange way, I mean, that is really what the wrong way to react to the situation like that, because it didn't end well for him. And I imagine same thing with a baseball player. If you let, the guys see that you're bothered by this or you're hurt by it, 
man, it's not going to end pretty for you, is it? No, it, it's not. And um, it's almost like then everyone jumps in on on the prey on the yeah. Uh, you know, if they if, if they see, you know blood in the water, the the sharks are going to go get you. So yeah, I mean, I I was twenty four. I wasn't a young kid, and um, you know, I I smart and confident. Um, so you you definitely don't let them break you down. At the same time, you're like, man, you know, I'm going out there every day. I'd love for you, love for it to be a great experience for everyone. Um, and so it was difficult, but I also think that that helped, you know, toughen me up and um, get, give me that thick skin that you need to be able to last for as long as I did. So again, like, I don't want it to be a sour thing. It, it, it was what it was. And um, I appreciate it. And I think, you know, I'm probably better for it. There is part one with former Toronto Blue Jays closer Casey Jansen, who, interestingly enough, don't you find it, Tom, that a lot of people looked at that picture, too, and thought it was Brett Cecil, <laughs> right? Brett Cecil and, and Brett and Casey still very close, really good friends. Yep. In fact, I think when we had Brett on, that was my inspiration to get Casey on. But, oh, yeah, you know, we need to get Casey on. They were on the such show. a good pair in the bullpen. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. It's fitting that we got yeah. Casey after Brett. So. so, if you'd like to hear more of Casey Jansen, in fact, watch the entire video chat with Casey Jansen. And we will give our members two options we'll give them the audio only or the audio video because some people want to listen in the car, right? So, we got to give mm -hmm. people two options. But you'll definitely get a chance to do that. Go to patreon.com slash out of the park and sign up. So, Thomas, uh, we want to thank Mr. Casey Jansen and remind you all that we've got another another great conversation with the former Blue Jay already done and ready for next week's show. But we're not going to tell you who it is. You want to know why we're not going to tell anyone who it is? Because I've got to order me a sloppy joe. Do you deliver, Tom? Can you do touchless delivery to my house? You can make the sloppy joe and just drop it off. Well, you know what? It's COVID. We, I've been thinking about it. Yeah, let's do that. I'll start doing All right. food delivery. What the heck? Just ring the doorbell and leave the bag of Sloppy Joes. That's exactly All right. it. <laughs> thank you so much, Tom. <laughs> and folks, thank all of you for making us a part of your week. You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.